man, it's been a real up and down road for the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, they came out hot, came out firing, looked like it was going to be a great surprising comeback year for them. And entering week six, they have lost their head coach, John Gruden, over leaked emails from the early 2010s, racism, misogyny, you know, the whole nine. We've seen it before. And John Gruden steps down. They're now without a head coach. Yeah, I mean, just a brutal run out for the Raiders, you know, start 3-0, lose a couple games, head coach coach gets fired because the NFL is investigating the Washington football teams and a bunch of emails have gotten leaked and right he caught a stray <laughs> he, he he caught a stray bullet for sure honestly he's probably just the scapegoat in this whole situation and with the with this situation obviously repercussions had to happen because you can't say what he said right he yeah. was saying homophobic slurs race racist slurs whatever whatever called roger goodell a clueless anti-football pussy which is pretty funny <laughs> let's be real that that's funny. that's funny yeah but the rest of that it that one didn't bother me the rest of it is, is messed up and obviously there's going to be consequences to your actions so he shouldn't be too angry because he brought it upon himself but I definitely think that they're using him as a scapegoat just because the owner isn't going to get in trouble like they went through what hundreds of thousands of emails I guarantee there's probably some shady shit that has been said by the higher ups in the Washington organization that won't get released just because that's that's how it works in the real world you know the the people in power the people cutting the paychecks aren't going to be the ones getting in trouble it's going to be you know the guys like John Gruden who they can just um you know get out get out of here you know you said some bad things you got you got paid your money now you just deal with the repercussions everybody will forget about it in a year and you move on with your life you know they ain't gonna do anything to Dan Snyder that's for damn sure Nah, yeah definitely not man I mean I don't feel bad for John Gruden oh, absolutely um, not not at all I, I just for him though It's a shame that he's not an attractive young female fantasy football analyst because then all he'd have to do is change his profile picture and take a two-week hiatus and then he could come back and nothing nothing would have happened. (laughs) Oh my god, shots fired. (laughs) But um, I also wanted to ask you as a guy who has a background in journalism, right? How do you feel about Mm -hmm. Adam Schefter and what's going on with him? Because there were some emails leaked In regards to Schefter, you know, sending the stories to the owners and his sources asking for like editorial changes if they wanted any or whatever. And seeing if the story was uh, good enough to run, you know, running it by them. How do you feel about that? I know he's gotten a lot of backlash and people are are in his tweets right now just trolling him to the max. I mean, the thing is, is like, yeah, like that's not what you want to see out of a journalist but anybody who like has any base understanding of this like should not be shocked by this adam Schefter clearly is in with you know multiple nfl teams if not all of them like he's an employee of espn but he's works very closely with all of these people like yeah i completely believe that he's like more of a mouthpiece than a straight journalist that's how he gets the level of access that he has is because he's in the good graces of these teams and with these owners so like i'm not shocked at all like Would I want that out of, like, a political journalist, you know, covering, like, real issues? No, but do I care for the guy who's giving me the best information for my fantasy football and DFS and degenerate gambling habits? Like, I'm all for it, dude. Like, I I don't care. Not one bit. (laughs) 
What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 170 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hoffer, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be breaking down week six in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective going to talk some slate specifics, what the Vegas Lions are telling us about the week, talk some chalk, and of course, leverage, stacks, and long shots, everything you need to know to have a good chance at banking a tournament this week. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturday evenings. Finally, our Discord channel is open. It's available. The link to join is in the description to the podcast below. Joey, here we are week six and bye weeks have returned. We've got a thinned out player pool for DraftKings this week. Yeah, so we only have a 10 game slate and we're going to have a lot of 10 game slates from here on out moving forward. So so it's going to be, you know, low scoring week again, a lot of low total games on this slate, a lot of bad teams. So it's going to be interesting and just trying to trying to bank a tournament. We're, we're almost there. We're getting close and this week should be the week. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. We were right on the doorstep last week and, and hopefully we can cross that boundary this week. So getting into the Vegas notes for the week, like you said, 10 game main slate. We've got seven games early and three games in the afternoon. Like last week, there are only three games with totals of 50 or above. Top five implied team totals on the slate. We've got KC at 31.25, the Rams at 29, Dallas at 28, Baltimore 27.25, and rounding things out at number five, we've got the Colts at 26.5. Joey, what is standing out to you this week from a Vegas perspective? perspective i think this is a slate where there's not going to be a lot of high total games um you know there's three above 50 right now the browns and cardinals game has dropped four and a half points so they're at 49 and a half for the total and there's just going to be like three or four teams that the chalk condenses around in tournaments i think it's going to be another week where if the chalk goes off we're going to see a high scoring week if it doesn't it's going to be one of the lower scoring weeks that we've seen this season and there's really not too many games that i'm looking forward to watching this sunday i don't know i think it's a i think it's a pretty bad slate just from a total and game perspective yeah i mean i want to caution us and our listeners with getting like too deep into the thought of it being a low scoring week because that's what it looked like from a Vegas perspective last week and it blew every other slate that we've had this year out of the water so I mean it could happen there are some good spots for certain teams but like you said man I mean some of these games are just straight up unappealing like you know Raiders Denver Green Bay Chicago like I I have very little interest in some of these spots but we could find ourselves in in a situation where even the lower total games like we've got Detroit and Cincinnati at 47 and a half that's not a great total but I could see certain pieces from that game absolutely snapping and we got we got some other examples like that as well i mean even the Mm -hmm. the lowest total game on the slate houston and indy has some interesting pieces from at least from the indy side of the ball so Mm -hmm. we'll see how things play out this week we can move on to some of the projected chalk for the week talk some chalk here joey and at the running back position you know it's up in the air at this point when we're, we're recording on wednesday but i feel like you and i are both pretty confident that cmc is going to 
return, return fully, and be one of, if not the highest owned plays on the slate at the wildly underpriced tag of 8800 on DraftKings. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey should be stone chalk this week if he plays, just severely underpriced for his elite role in the Panthers' offense. And you could say he actually does matter. You know, the Panthers are 0-2 without Christian McCaffrey, and they were 3-0 with him. So he's a valuable player to that offense. He's the best fantasy player. He's the best fantasy football player, period, at any position, in my opinion. And 8800 is just too cheap for him. On Sunday, that'll be about 24 days removed from his hamstring pull so he should be ready to go and if he's in there he's going to get a full workload so Christian McCaffrey 8800 is where you're starting your cash game lineups off this week absolutely I mean I think you said it to me the other night when we were just taking our first look at the slate it's like there's no player that I have more confidence in coming back and just fully resuming their workload than Christian McCaffrey like he's not going to come in there and be splitting snaps they released uh, Rodney Smith on Monday from the practice squad McCaffrey was already getting some practice in last week like I think that he is going to be good to go in this spot and it's a good spot at home against Minnesota and I mean this is a player who you know, frankly, should never be priced below 10K. <laughs> the discount, the $1,200 discount is just absurd. So McCaffrey, clear cut, you know, as long as we get the the news that he's going to be playing and practicing all week, I think he's just a stone cold lock in cash games this week. I think after McCaffrey, the next highest stone running back is likely to be Daryl Henderson Jr. coming in at 6K. Like I mentioned, the Rams have the second highest implied team total on the slate. They're massive favorites with a 29 ITT going against the Giants this week. Hendo is 6K flat. Yeah, Daryl Henderson just has one of the best roles in the NFL. He's going to be utilized as a workhorse when healthy. So I would expect for him to see 18 to 22 touches in this spot against the Giants who just got carved up by Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard so it's a great spot for him and I tweeted this like a week or two ago if they keep on depressing Daryl Henderson's price I'm going to play him every single week and 6k is just too cheap for his role in one of the best offenses in the NFL so from a cash game perspective I don't think it gets any easier this week than just locking in Christian McCaffrey and Daryl Henderson into your two running back spots and building from there. Yeah, I mean, I want to be fully on board with Henderson. We did see his snaps come down a little bit, which is concerning because he was a damn near every snap player in his other healthy weeks. But, you know, Sony Michelle did play 34% of snaps, Hendo 66%. Do you have any concern that the Rams are trying to get Sony Michelle more involved in the offense for, I mean, God, whatever reason they would possibly try and do that? I mean, as... As a Patriots fan, I know Sony Michelle's talent and the dude sucks. I am not worried about Sony Michelle at all. He he was playing, you know, quite a bit just because Daryl Henderson was coming off of an injury. So I think this week, after a long week for the Rams, we could see Daryl Henderson resume his workhorse role and Sony Michelle just kind of have that four to six touch backup role this week. So not too concerned about Sony Michelle. He's just so bad, man. He's 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 not good. Like, 
I'm, I'm sorry. He's he's not good. On the other side of the ball in this same game, I think Devontae Booker figures to have quite a bit of ownership. We saw him dominate touches. He got two touchdowns after Saquon Barkley went out in week five. Barkley's not practicing. Barkley's expected to miss. And 5,400 is a good price tag for Devontae Booker. But we do know that running backs typically are bad correlation when they're in the same game. It's unlikely that both of them are able to get there. And it's just not as good of a spot for Booker. The Giants have an implied team total second lowest on the slate at 18. And they're underdogs by two scores yeah it is definitely not a good spot for the Giants especially if Mike Glennon starts so that's definitely something you know we have to keep an eye on is if Daniel Jones can get back in there Devontae Booker I think projects to be a fine play and I think he is in cash game consideration just a concern like you mentioned is the correlation between running backs in the same game I don't know if I would play both of them together in cash but Devontae Booker is a pretty solid play just period this week in my opinion he's he's cheap he's going to see 15 to 20 touches without Saquon there so think he's fine but I don't know if I would play him together. And other than the other than these three guys that we've discussed, like nobody else really stands out to me crazy. Like Austin Eckler definitely going to have some ownership at 7900. He's a great play. I also think that there's a chance that one of the mid 6k running backs becomes chalk depending on how the week plays out. Jonathan Taylor coming off of a massive game in prime time gets a home matchup against Houston. That's a really good spot. And then Joe Mixon against Detroit who's been getting carved up by running backs could also become pretty popular. Samaj P. Ryan is on the COVID list, which would leave just Joe Mixon and Chris Evans. And, and, you know, Mixon could dominate in that spot. Joe Burrow is likely to play, but he's dealing with an injury that sent him to the hospital after the game against the Packers. So I could see them leaning on Joe Mixon in this spot at 6,400 as well. Do you have a lean between Mixon, Taylor, who you think will be higher owned between the two and which you prefer as a play? In terms of who I think will be higher owned... It's it's tough to say because personally, I don't think either is going to be stone chalk. If I had to pick one, Joe Mixon, just because he is a little bit cheaper and we've seen, you know, a guaranteed workload out of him of like 20 plus touches when he's fully healthy. I think Mixon would be my lean there at 6,400 and Jonathan Taylor is coming off of a great game, but you know, it is kind of boosted. He only had three catches, but went for 116 yards. Obviously we all saw him break that long screen for touchdown and he hasn't been great in terms of fantasy, so I don't know if anybody's going to go there at 6,600. You know, he wasn't chalk against Miami, which was a better spot, and he was 6,300, a little bit cheaper. He wasn't chalk against Tennessee, and I just don't think he's going to project all that well as long as Hines and, and Mack are in that backfield. So Mixon would be my lean there, but I don't think either are going to be massive chalk, but Things could definitely change, so I would advise everybody listening to uh, tune into our Saturday night live stream to get our updated thoughts and opinions on this mid-range at running back in terms of cash games. Absolutely. Moving on to the quarterback position, I feel like Lamar Jackson is going to be the most targeted quarterback on this slate. Baltimore has a healthy implied team total, and what we saw Lamar Jackson do, just unbelievable, had an 86% completion percentage in that Monday night game in a game where he threw 40 three times. He also had 14 attempts on the ground for 62 yards, just an ungodly performance from Lamar Jackson. And he's just a fantasy football cheat code. That, that's what it comes down to. And he's priced at 7,400 this week. Yeah. I don't 
get his pricing right I mean he is the third highest priced quarterback but 7400 is still too cheap for a player of his caliber a player that has one of the best floor slash ceiling combos on the entire slate he's averaging the most DraftKings points out of any quarterback in the NFL this year at 29.2 so I think he is going to be the chalk at quarterback and rightfully so you know he's great really not much needs to be said and it's a great game environment one of the better ones on the slate at home against the Chargers that has a total of what 52 points right now so Lamar is the chalk and he's a great play I mean really not much needs to be said yeah I think that he'll definitely soak up most of the ownership in this range like he'll he'll soak up the ownership over guys like Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes. I do think that Justin Herbert right below him at 7,300 will be pretty popular. Probably not as much for cash games because, you know, you're only paying 100 to get up to Lamar and it's a better spot for him. But in tournaments, I could see it actually being pretty even between the two. Like people are going to want to play Herbert on the other side of this game. And he's himself is coming off of an absolutely massive game where he threw for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns with a rushing touchdown in the mix as well. Yeah, Justin Herbert is a great play this week. The Ravens defense is honestly pretty terrible you know they're bottom six in the NFL in terms of passing yards allowed they're like bottom eight in terms of receiving points per game allowed on DraftKings it's a great spot for Justin Herbert and he is probably my favorite tournament quarterback this week just because I think the ownership on him is going to be lower than Lamar Kyler Patrick Mahomes like you only have to pay 600 to get up from Justin Herbert to Kyler Murray and then Dak Prescott Stafford are a little bit cheaper than him so he's in that like weird range where nobody's going to click on him in my opinion so Mm. Justin Herbert is a great tournament play this week yeah I like that are there any value options that you could see soaking up uh, ownership this week at quarterback yeah so I think there's two that stand out right now uh, for cash games specifically and that is Sam Darnold at 6,100 at home against Minnesota, and then Taylor Heineke at 5,800 against Kansas City. In terms of Taylor Heineke, he's facing Kansas City, and they can't stop anybody, right? I could probably go out there and throw 350 and three against them. I doubt that. No, no cap. (laughs) No cap. So Taylor Heineke is definitely in play for cash games. He's been pretty solid to start the season and he has a pretty solid rushing floor as well he's gone over 40 yards in back-to-back games he's averaging five attempts on the ground so if you need to save salary I don't mind playing Taylor Heineke like he should throw I think three touchdowns in this spot and if he gets you 22 24 points that's really all you need in cash games and then Sam Darnold would be the second guy he had a down game against Philly but he's still been one of the best fantasy quarterbacks this season getting Christian McCaffrey back should just help him overall and I don't know if I would play them together but if you do I mean it's fine but I definitely prefer Taylor Heineke for $300 less and you know the best game environment on the slate yeah I mean it's early but from a cash game perspective I don't know if I see myself getting away from Lamar Jackson like I just don't see that happening I don't think but I mean these are the two plays that stand out to me as well in the in the lower tier of pricing and I think that if the ownership doesn't get out of control they both make for phenomenal tournament plays this week at the wide receiver position I mean I think that ownership is going to get relatively spread out this week there's a lot of good plays and similar price points the one play that stands out to me right now is Terry McLaurin I don't know that 
he's necessarily projecting to be chalk at this point, but I mean, he's only 7,100. You're getting like almost a 2K discount off of Devontae Adams. He's averaging 12 targets per game over the last two weeks, and he's going against KC, like you said, a defense that can stop absolutely nobody at this point. Yeah, Terry McLaurin has a 27% target share. Deami Brown was hurt last week. Curtis Samuel re-aggravated his groin injury. Logan Thomas is on IR. So there's not really anybody else to catch the ball for Washington, right? He has a 36% air yard percentage. He has an 11-yard A dot, 66% whopper. So he's being utilized as an elite alpha wide receiver one in this offense. So at 7,100, I think he is a standout play at the wide receiver position. But just in terms of the position as a whole, I think it is a little bit tighter than weeks before. They finally priced up Devontae Adams to where he should be. Tyreek Hill is pretty expensive. Mike Williams is expensive. Cooper Cup is expensive. So you're going to have to pay for the good plays this week. And I'm not really seeing too much at the bottom of the player pool. So I think you're probably going to stay in this mid-range for your wide receivers. And then I think the standout plays lower than Terry McLaurin would probably be the Cowboys wide receivers. And I think they'll come with a little bit of ownership. Amari Cooper, I think, is just too cheap at 6000 So I think he's going to be a little chalky. And then CD Lamb at 6500 should have some ownership as well. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I, I just have so much trouble playing these Cowboys wide receivers. I know the field doesn't. So I think in terms of ownership, you're probably right. But, you know, CD Lamb hasn't had more than six targets since week two. Same thing with Amari Cooper. Like, this is just, it's just, I don't know, man. Like, can can they continue to get there on efficiency, I guess is the question. I mean, against New England, yes. <laughs> Hates me to say it, but the Patriots just do not have a good team right now. Obviously, the volume is a concern with the Cowboys wide receivers. Um, they haven't been throwing the ball that much and it's been kind of fucking us over for fantasy but I still think 6,000 for Amari Cooper is just too cheap I I do get the concerns though like I don't want to play them either just because the volume isn't there right now and the Cowboys want to be a run first team but I've not really seen anybody else in that range that looks appealing I mean Robert Woods I think should come with some ownership I don't know how you feel about him and then if we go a little bit lower to you know, the mid 5Ks. I think Kadarius Tony is popping right now too. But if Mike Glennon starts, I don't know if I feel comfortable going there to Tony, but he should have some ownership this week as well. I mean, who do you prefer in this mid range for cash games? I mean, am I crazy for thinking that Marquise Brown is the best play of this group? Like he's actually had a wildly consistent target share. He's like the wide receiver six or seven right now in in fantasy points per game. Like Marquise Brown is a completely different player than he's been in years past. I think he's had one bad game all year, but he's been highly consistent. He correlates with Lamar Jackson. Like I think I would rather play Marquise Brown than Woods or Cooper to be to be honest with you. Yeah, I I think I definitely think that Hollywood is a pretty solid play this week. It's just people have like this bias against Baltimore wide receivers, right? Especially with Lamar Jackson there, you know, the criticism of Lamar Jackson's career so far has been, he hasn't been a good passer, right? But this season, he's obviously shown that he's taken a step forward. Like he's been one of the best passers in football 
the Ravens' run game is non-existent. Yeah, I know they've gotten a couple hundred-yard games in a row, but Latavius Murray is horrible. Tyson Williams, they don't trust him at all. And then Devontae Freeman is dust, and they have Le'Veon Bell there too, who is stone dust. So the Ravens are kind of just putting the ball in Lamar's hands and, and telling them make make stuff happen. And Hollywood's eating, Mark Andrews is eating. So I don't, I definitely don't hate it. One game under. 19 points this year and he was a couple drops in that Detroit game from you know having a, a massive game in oh that yeah game he's, a, he's well. a couple drops away from being the overall wide receiver one in fantasy yeah no cap so like I, I love Marquise Brown at this sub 6k price range he had a massive game again in that prime time spot and didn't get priced up because of it since prices had already dropped by that point so I think that he's a pretty good value on this slate and yeah like you mentioned Tony I think is going to be popular there's some other plays in this mid-range but I guess we can talk about them during uh, the tournament segment because I don't really think they're in consideration for cash the last two you know chalky cash options I think that we should talk about are at the bottom of the barrel we have Amonra St. Brown at 4200 he's like the last Lions wide receiver standing back-to-back eight target games averaging 13.25 points over the last two weeks going up against a pretty soft Cincinnati secondary so I like him as a as sort of like a value option and Mecole Hardman I mean we don't expect Tyreek Hill to miss but he did miss practice on Wednesday so if that were to happen at 4200 Hardman would pretty quickly elevate into being like the most popular play on the slate I think yeah I think it would obviously take an injury for Hardman to be cash viable but like you said Tyreek Hill did miss practice but I would expect Tyreek Hill to be in there and I think he's going to be a little a little chalky as well so he's definitely in play for cash Uh, we just know the ceiling on Tyreek Hill and then Amon Ross St. Brown I think is going to be the popular punt option at wide receiver like you said just couple good target games in a row and it's a it's a good spot for him at home against Cincinnati in a close spread in a decently totaled game on a slate that doesn't have a lot of great totaled games so honestly if you play him you know you're probably going to get 8 to 13 points and if that allows you to fit you know a Lamar a Tyreek or whoever in then you just accept it and you play him at 4200 so he's probably in the build right now in the optimal build but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Tyrell Williams is also expected to be back for the Lions, I think, this week as well. So that could hurt him a little. Yeah, uh, according to a quote today from Dan Campbell, they're actually not expecting Williams oh. back. It says he is not on track to be activated ahead of the week six game against the Bengals. Well, so I, th- never I think mind that then. Amonra St. Brown is a great play. I mean, his stat lines are, are you know pretty basic. Like he went six for 70 in week four. He went seven for 65 in, in week five against Minnesota. So yeah, He's probably going to give you somewhere between 12 and 13, but if he catches a touchdown, you're sitting with a 20-point player at 4.2, and I mean, God, like you just jam that in for the salary savings. Yep. Moving on to tight end, I think we're looking once again at a very similar you know, point that we did last week. We're just punting it off in cash. And I think that the best punt option last week was Ricky Seals-Jones, and I think the best punt option this week is Ricky Seals-Jones. Yeah, RSJ is definitely the standout play at the bottom of the tight end pool at 3,000. Like I mentioned with Terry McLaurin, there's just a bunch of injuries on the Washington football team right now. He had a decent target share last week, eight targets. He had a couple of red zone opportunities. He had a 40-yard catch taken back because of a penalty, and he only finished with what? 
nine points. I think he is a phenomenal play only at a $500 increase from last week. And I'm just playing him like it's that simple. I'll tell you, I'll tell everybody that right now. I'm playing Ricky Seals-Jones in cash. The price tag is just too cheap. His role in this offense is too good to fade at this price, and I'm not considering anybody else in cash games. It's that simple. <laughs> I like to hear you say that because I'm at, I'm at the same exact point. Yeah, I mean, he like- played 99 99- percent of snaps for Washington last week eight (laughs) targets three of those were red zone targets so the fact that he only had nine points is crazy but I mean god I love this spot for him we just saw Dawson Knox like obliterate the Chiefs last week and he he was running routes on damn near every one of Heineke's dropbacks he only had one less route run than Terry McLaurin easy smash at 3k absolutely yeah there there's no reason to go anywhere else at tight end for for cash honestly like there's some guys at the top of the pool that are good like I think Kelsey's underpriced and he's going to get owned he does every single week right I think he's fine especially in tournaments Kelsey is probably the best play on the board Andrews Mark Andrews is right there with him 5200 great play but for cash games to jam in CMC, to jam in Lamar, just take the savings at tight end, play Ricky Seals-Jones. It doesn't really get much easier than that. And I don't know. I mean, is there any other cheap tight ends you would consider? No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I mean, for I, tournaments, I, like, yeah, like, I could mix it up depending on my stacks, like, you know, throw throw in, you know, just correlated plays. But, I mean, in cash games, there's literally no reason. Like, the tight end square in my cash game lineup was decided on, like, Monday night, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Evan Ingram is going to be popular again. He's only 3,400. He's projecting really well right now on Roto Grinders. So, he should get some ownership, but I'd rather just take the $400 discount. Uh, from Angram to RSJ. And then another play that is currently projecting pretty well is Janu Smith, who is also 3K going up against Dallas. This total has been bet up a couple of points. They're one of the three games that have a total above 50. Currently on the main slate, Cowboys Patriots and Damian Harris is hurt. So Mac Jones is going to have to throw the ball in this game. And I, I, I think if you want, you can play the Patriots tight ends. I prefer Hunter Henry at 39, but if you want, you can go Janu. I, I mean, I, it doesn't really matter. And then we didn't mention that wide receiver, but Jacoby Myers is also a pretty good play. Yeah, definitely. I was going to talk about him in the tournament segment. Classic flop lag spot coming up for Jacoby oh, yeah. Myers this week. <laughs> I, I think that he scores his first touchdown this week. I really do. Let's move on to our tournament segment here, leverage, stacks, and long shots. Joey, how do you plan to get leverage on this week six DFS slate? Yeah, so I think the best way to get leverage is to just fade and pray, right? We're, we're going to fade the popular stacks and mm-hmm. pray they bust. The fade and pray. Um, okay. Yeah, fade, okay. fade and pray. And we're, and we're going to fade the chalk as well. You know, every everybody saw the chalk one last week, whatever, whatever. It's not going to happen every single week. So in tournaments, probably going to fade, you know, Daryl Henderson, Christian McCaffrey, whatever wide receiver is high owned. And ownership, I think, is going to be pretty spread out this week. We're not going to get like a 40% Derrick Henry and you know, have a clear leverage play in AJ Brown. Right. I don't, I don't, I'm not really seeing any of that this week. Just in terms of leverage plays, I mean, DJ Moore has to be up there, right? 
had Absolutely. a had a terrible game last week. Only eight points, seventy three hundred. He's two hundred above Terry McLaurin, so you're getting leverage off of Terry. You're getting leverage off of CMC. So I think DJ Moore is probably a great tournament play this week. And you know, you could you could find examples like that throughout the uh, entire player pool. Like if Cup is high owned, Woods is obviously great leverage, etc. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, like you said, I don't think we're gonna have like massive massive chalk outside of maybe like Lamar Jackson and and potentially Christian McCaffrey there, but like, you know, just find players in similar price ranges to the guys with high ownership and make pivots because there's a ton of that. Like all of the wide receivers from like 7,100 and up are great players with great ceilings and not all of them are going to be highly owned. So it's just a matter of waiting and finding out, you know, who's going to get lost in the mix and then targeting that, you know, is it going to be Justin Jefferson at 8K? Is it going to be Mike Williams again, who was sub- 2% last week and it was an absolute smash priced all the way up to 8100 like is he gonna get overlooked because of the price if so we jam him in I kind of don't think he will but it could be any of these guys in this range DJ Moore for sure is one that you mentioned another leverage spot like one of the few leverage spots that's like actual direct leverage I think is that if Terry McLaurin and Ricky Seals Jones are owned and and Taylor Heineke's owned and people are playing you know JT or Joe Mixon in that mid 6k running back range then that means Antonio Gibson is probably getting lost in the shuffle at 6,500. And that could be an interesting play coming off of a two touchdown week as well. But I mean, yeah, like you said, it's just sort of going to be targeting players that are not chalky, but have similar ceiling projections. Yeah. Antonio Gibson is probably one of the better leverage plays on the slate. Uh, 6,500 going up against Kansas City could easily score two touchdowns and, and get there. He didn't practice today, so definitely a situation to monitor. If let's say he were to be out, JD McKissick is 4,800, and then he would become like a, a cash game option if that were to happen. So definitely a situation to monitor as the week goes on, but I definitely like that call as a leverage play. And it it really just comes down to what you said, just make pivots off of the high owned guys because all of these players at each position of the player pool you know, at wide receiver, running back, they all have similar ceilings, similar upside. So if Tyreek Hill is 30%, you know, exaggerated. Mike Williams is, let's say, 2%. Just play Mike Williams in tournaments. Doesn't get any easier than that. Yep. So definitely tune in, like Joey said, to the Saturday night stream. We'll have a better understanding of ownership at that point and a clearer picture of which guys are good pivots for tournaments. Joey, what stacks are standing out to uh, to you this week outside of the obvious? The obvious, Chiefs, right? Play them. Really nothing needs to be said. Baltimore. Baltimore, yep. I think my favorite stack that will go under-owned, in my opinion, is the Chargers stack. Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, I think could all go under-owned in this spot. And like I mentioned uh, when we talked about quarterbacks, it's a good spot for Justin Herbert. The Ravens are bottom six in the NFL in terms of passing yards allowed. They've just had a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. They made Carson Wentz look like an MVP Monday night. Short week for the Ravens as well. So I definitely like stacking up the Chargers. It is expensive. So you're going to have to find value at, you know, running back value at tight end. But probably my favorite stack this week and the bringbacks like we talked about in Hollywood and Mark Andrews are elite and I think they're underpriced especially Mark Andrews who is 5200 this week could come with a little bit of ownership so definitely something to be careful of 
but the Chargers are the second worst team against tight ends in terms of DraftKings points allowed per game. I mentioned it in my video, but the way they play defense is they're going to limit big plays and they're going to funnel everything towards the middle of the field. And that's where Mark Andrews runs all of his routes is the intermediate middle of the field, you know, comeback routes and Lamar is on fire as a passer. He's going to find Mark Andrews a ton in this game. So he's probably my preferred bring back uh, for the Chargers stack. Yep, that's definitely a good one. One that I like, and it, you know, it kind of goes back to just looking at the Vegas totals. Like I'm really surprised that this Cleveland-Arizona game is getting bet down. I don't think we've mentioned a single Cardinals player or a Browns player, and that game was the shootout game of the week last week with Cleveland and the Chargers. I mean, if the Chargers can drop 40-plus on Cleveland, I think that the Arizona Cardinals could do it too. And like all of the Cardinals, just seem to be priced in spots where they're going to get overlooked so like Kyler's right in between Mahomes and Lamar Jackson both will be more popular DeAndre Hopkins is right in the same mix of like McLaurin DJ Moore Cooper Cup like I think he's the lowest owned group and Kyler to DeAndre Hopkins it's it's like the new Russ Wilson stack where it goes under owned every single week it's not going to hit every time but if you have it and it does hit and it's low owned you're absolutely going to be sailing to the money so give me the Kyler Murray Arizona Cardinals stack probably brought back with a Cleveland running back, you know, your Cleveland running back of choice. Yeah, Nick Chubb is pretty expensive. Cream Hunt is 6,200. And I mean, God, Cream Hunt's been scoring all of the fantasy points somehow. Yeah, he's snapping. I, I definitely like that. That's definitely a game to target, especially at little to no ownership on any of these players. I don't think Kyler Murray's going to be too owned. Just because Mahomes should come with decent ownership. And the Chiefs stack, I mean, as the obvious stack is my favorite, right? Yeah. God, I mean, the Chiefs are going to go absolutely nuclear in this game. So yeah. I'm going to have a lot of Mahomes. I'm going to have a lot of Tyreek. And I'm going to have a lot of Kelsey. Just that simple. Just play them. And honestly, it's like obvious. We say it's obvious, right? But they're never owned. Yeah. Just because everybody thinks to play the Chiefs. And, and then it's like, oh, everybody's playing the Chiefs. So we can't play them, and then everybody ends up not playing them. So the Chiefs are the clear-cut best team to target this week, so play them. Kyler Murray for the Cardinals is great, and I definitely like that game. And for touching on a game that I think has some decent potential, I mean, you mentioned it, it's Cincinnati and Detroit. Although Detroit games haven't been high-scoring. I don't know if their defense has been locking up or whatever. I haven't watched any Detroit Lions games. Maybe maybe uh, you could provide some insight if you have, but... I don't watch that shit. <laughs> but, you know, they, they've held some good offenses to under 20 points the last couple of weeks Detroit has. So, I don't really know about that one, but I definitely like a Bengals stack in this spot. I, I'm still betting on the Lions defense being horrible, and Joe Burrow is 6,300, going to be unowned. Jamar Chase is priced up, going to be unowned. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins are, are pretty cheap, so you got some viable stacking options and, and some great bringbacks in DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson for the Lions, so that, that's probably my sneaky stack of the week is the Bengals, and other than that, I mean, don't play Raiders, don't play Broncos, don't play Texans, don't play Colts, don't play the Patriots stack, don't play a Bears stack. Green Bay is interesting. I mean, the, the spots are obvious on this slate. Definitely. And just touching on one thing with that uh, Cincinnati-Detroit game, like my best tournament team last week was kind of breaking the rule that we talked about earlier where you play two running backs in the same game. But I think that you could play Joe Mixon and DeAndre Swift together because Swift, his games come 
in a like his good games come in a way that correlates well with the opposing running back having a good game so like the Bengals are ahead Joe Mixon is smashing he's running it out in at the end of the game and then in correlation the Lions are throwing the ball to DeAndre Swift a ton so I, I like that as a rare spot where the correlation actually makes sense to play both running backs from the same game and they're both affordable they get you off some of the other chalk and and I just I like that spot a lot I definitely like that spot for both running backs and DeAndre Swift you can play him with the other running back on the opposing team every single week I did it a bunch with Madison last week and it worked out last week he scored 22 points had six catches and we just know his floor is super high as one of the main pass catchers in this Lions offense. So definitely love DeAndre Swift this week at 6,300. All right, let's close it out with some long shots. Uh, who are you taking a shot on this week that, that the people aren't thinking of? Yeah, I think my favorite long shot is a player that I mentioned in terms of leverage, and that's DJ Moore. I just mm-hmm. think he's going to come with severely lower ownership than Terry McLaurin, than Cooper Cup, than Tyreek Hill, some of the guys above him, and everybody's going to go below him to CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen. And if you're getting DJ Moore at 5 to 7% in this role that he's now in on this Panthers offense as, you know, the main target, target hog at home against the Vikings, I think he's just a phenomenal GPP play this week. He's just my favorite play right now. Uh, 7,300. I, th- I think it's a smash spot for him. I I, th- I say he goes 30 plus. Mm. 30 plus DraftKings points for DJ Moore this week. Yeah, no, that, that's a good one. I like that. And Adam Thielen is, is a long shot player that I'm looking at as well at 5,800. He's just so cheap right now. We know he can score two touchdowns in any given spot. He's a good correlation with, you know, Christian McCaffrey or DJ Moore, depending on who you're playing there. And man, there's just some wide receivers in this mid 5K range that I think are just going to completely get overlooked. Jacoby Myers is one that we both touched on. Michael Pittman stands out to me at 5,500. He's had some of the best underlying usage uh, out of any wide receiver in the league, and he doesn't get owned. People don't play him. You know, he's top 12 in red zone targets. He has a 25% target share in Indy, counts for like 36% of the team's air yards. Michael Pittman going against Houston makes makes a lot of sense and my 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 final long shot like my long shot play of the week is a player that I have lost money on every single week this season 5300 Allen Robinson going up against a Jair Alexander-less Green Bay secondary at home for the Bears look I, I know that right now the Bears plan of attack is to just play ball control to hide Justin Fields to not let him air it out. And they they were able to do that against the Lions, right? You know, they were in control of that game totally. They were able to do that against the Raiders. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against the Packers this week. I think they're going to have no choice but to be playing catch up in this game. You know, Aaron Rodgers is going to come out going to put the Packers up with a lead and they're just going to have to throw to Allen Robinson. I I personally, like in my soul, can't believe that Allen Robinson is dust. The fact that his highest scoring fantasy game of the season so far is 10.4 DraftKings points. There's no way that that sustains. It's got to happen for Allen Robinson. The talent is there. He should have an improved quarterback in Justin Fields here. Like, is it ever going to happen for Allen Robinson? I believe it is. I believe it's this week, but I mean, what do you think? Is, is he just chalked? Is he dust right now? Like, it can't be. I think this bears all offense in general is chalked Mm. they're just not allowing Justin Fields to be the quarterback that we hoped he could be right they're trying to limit him as much as possible he hasn't thrown the ball more than 20 times in any of the games that he's played he hasn't ran the ball more than three times in any game that he started so the the floor is just super 
super low with Justin Fields. The floor is super, super low with Allen Robinson. There's just not enough volume there, in my opinion. This is a pace down game. The Packers play at one of the slowest rates in the NFL. The Bears also play at a relatively slower rate. I'm not playing anybody from this game besides Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Mm -hmm. Definitely not playing any Bears this week. That's definitely not a good a good pick in my opinion um well it's a just long no. shot bro no just <laughs> not i think a better long shot is a guy who's been in the media you know people been talking about him today okay, okay. they've been talking about him this week after the game hmm. same price range who that 5100 odell what the people been saying about obj you know they ran a segment on espn today first take odell beckham needs to beg for a trade they were talking about it mm. people been talking about it on twitter saying how it's basically just a, a crime against humanity that Odell is not getting targeted at all. They're not wrong. I definitely think that it's thin, and we haven't seen it from Odell ever since he's been in Cleveland, but he's not going to get three targets again. This is one of the best game environments on the slate, in my opinion, and if he gets seven to nine targets like how I think he will and how he should he has a decent chance to have a 20 plus point game at 5100 and correlates well with one of your favorite sacks and Kyler Murray yeah. and DeAndre Hopkins so I definitely like Odell at 5100 I will say he goes for 25 DraftKings points this week yeah and I mean it since we haven't seen it yet from Odell, like, you know, his highest scoring DraftKings, you know, production this year has been 13.7 points. So like, you know, people are definitely not going to play him. Like all of the steam is off Odell, but at 5,100, we know he can get there. You know, he's one bad Baker Mayfield throw away from at least having one good box score game. So I do like that. I do like it as a bring back as a part of Arizona stacks. Also worth noting that both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt missed practice today. Like, I, I don't know if that's just maintenance. It's probably maintenance like we didn't hear any you know reports of an injury there but you know if for some reason something was to happen to either or both of them and Cleveland was to skew more pass heavy in this spot then Odell would be a phenomenal play yeah so definitely one of my favorite long shot plays this week all right let's close out the show with our best bets of the week John I mean I'm gonna keep it honest man you got throttled last week but it wasn't really your fault both of your props missed due to in-game injuries and that was a tough scene I mean one of mine was Damian Harris which you also had so that that was tough he was on pace to smash that and then you know got injured slash fumbled and and benched i don't know what happened there but tough scene with the damian harris prop last week yeah just have had a brutal run out in terms of injuries to the guys that i bet on over the last couple of weeks jimmy garoppolo damian harris so tough scene tough scene but we're gonna bounce back this week one of my favorite props right now is josh jacobs <laughs> over 44 and a half rushing yards okay we you talked about it his role has kind of changed he's being more involved in the offense the Broncos just got tore up by Najee Harris on the ground I don't think the Raiders want to use any other running back besides Josh Jacobs to be honest and I just think it's a good spot for him I think he can easily get over 44 yards so give me Josh Jacobs over 44 and a half rushing yards that is just a very low number to hit in my opinion and then my second favorite prop is a Thursday night game prop so if you're listening to this Thursday afternoon get the bet in on prize picks Tom Brady's passing yard line is 301 and a half I'm smashing the over on that all day all day every day 
He's easily going to throw over 300 yards in this spot against the Eagles. The Tampa Bay Bucks are passing at the highest rate out of every team in the NFL. You know, they're just not running the ball, and the Eagles' secondary is not good. So give me Tom Brady over 301.5 passing yards this week. All right. Yeah, I like that one, man. Um, I like both of those, actually. As we're recording this on Wednesday, like, there's a lot of players that still need to be added on prize picks. Like, none of these are, are super jumping out to me. Like, I like the James Robinson over at 79 and a half rushing yards against Miami. I mean, I could definitely see that hitting, but I don't want to bet that at this point. I will take a team side, which I did last week and hit on with the Tennessee Titans. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals implied team total at 23 and a half is just wild to me. I think that they easily go over that. So give me Cardinals over 23 and a half. They're going to put up 30 in this spot so that's an easy one and I will also give out a Thursday night player prop on prize picks it's a low number but I feel confident in it I like the under on Miles Sanders at 30.5 rushing yards like I get it 30.5 like that's a pretty low number he could get over that but teams just don't rush against the Bucks. Miles Sanders has been splitting a ton of time with Kenny Gainwell and I don't know you know Miles Sanders it just ain't happening for him this year so I don't see it happening in this spot either under on Miles Sanders 30 and a half rushing yards yeah I like I like that like you said teams just aren't running against the Bucks, and that's just what's jumped out right like they just come out and throw the ball a hundred times against the Bucks, and it's the right strategy so 30 and a half is a pretty low number but Miles Sanders has been like one of the biggest busts in terms of fantasy football this year and I wouldn't expect him to get over 30 yards rushing in this spot either so definitely like that bet all right Joey that is going to be it for episode 170 of the DFS Dose podcast Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. For more Week 6 NFL DFS content, check out our YouTube channel, the DFS Dose, where we post multiple videos per week. We will once again be live this Saturday evening to revisit the slate and give our updated thoughts as the week develops. To everybody out there listening, man, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.